get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, we'll see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. Episode 70 of Just Dishing It. Joined as always, John Toods, Tudor, and Derek Hoskin. What's going on, boys? We're in the thick of it in the summer here. The only thing I could gamble on tonight is a goddamn MLB All-Star game. Ugh, Tough gross. times. Tough times. Gross. Toods, let's start with you, buddy. What's going on? I see you got a nice little bookshelf behind you there. I didn't know you were becoming a uh, full-time author now. Yeah. yeah, I'm a scholar. Yeah. Uh, you could what say that. No, uh, yeah, it's been. They're all uh, beer. They're all tapes of beer league teams. They're not even books. Yeah, I've actually been clipping a lot of my uh, a lot of my goals off the uh, live barn reels from <laughs> my one bar league, so I could patch them together and send them to some NHL teams. Uh, Love it. So that's kind of what I've been working on lately. Here, um, you'll get but, a PTO yeah. with the Yotes, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean. Probably play in front of bigger crowds at the Harbor Center on a yeah. Tuesday night, but uh, you're not wrong. That's gonna be so interesting. I, I honestly can't wait to see it. It sucks they don't have an arena, but that's such an awesome organization. Tough bounce for those players for right now, but I, I really do think they're gonna make the best of it. Is you know what I mean? Like they're gonna have fun with it, and you know as best as you can, make that like a unique, cool time. I'm you know, sure I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah. So maybe they'll get an arena ready to go when Austin Matthews signs there in two years. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll Derek, see. how you doing, buddy? Uh, recovering. It was a long weekend of uh, Cobblestone Live. Real fun weekend. It was back. Um, it was uh, in full force. A lot of people, a lot of friends. And uh, it was just fun to cover a festival in our backyard again, you know. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was a blast. Um, just one minor, you know, and drone was down within 10 minutes of the festival. Um, oh, great. That's always wasn't fun. even my doing. So, you know, that's always a plus. So, but, you know, so it's overdapt and overcome kind of thing, you know. Yeah, adapt and overcome. I love it. That's what we do. But, um, yeah, gents. Um, I know we're going to have a, we'll probably have a solo episode soon to catch up on a lot of different things, but I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, we have a very special guest. This one's a, this is a bit of a different one. I'm very excited. Lots of, lots of stuff we can talk about here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Daniel Colt Collins. How's it going guys? I don't even know where to start to say like, cause usually I bring someone on they're this, they're that where it's like you, I mean, <laughs> apparel brand that you started the goddamn leprechaun for the Notre Dame fighting Irish. I don't even know. They're, they're both two amazing things, but, uh, I appreciate you making the time to join us. How's everything going? Yeah, it's going great. I actually uh, was also covering Cobblestone Live, so I saw Derek throughout the weekend. That was a blast. Uh, Always in passing. It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, just doing our thing. But, yeah, so I shoot photos, too, which that um, that came about from starting the clothing brand and realizing how expensive it is to hire photographers every time you want to release a new collection. So. Especially myself, good ones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So taught myself how to shoot photos back when I had started that and now it's just a fun thing I do. Um yeah, like Derek said, that's so awesome to be able to have that down there in Cobblestone and in our backyard and like they they put on a show. It was amazing. So I'm excited to see that continue to grow. There's some like real festivals. Twenty six is doing awesome stuff in Buffalo. I love it. Yeah. yeah, it was a real blast. I mean it's like yeah. thirty five I think 
right around over 3000, I think Friday night or something like that. I mean, Ooh. like literally people all the way back to like, you know, the cobblestone bar from the corner of South Park, you know, South Park and cobblestone, you know, there. So yeah, it's good to see people, you know, everyone back out in full force pretty much, you know, exactly. Absolutely. Sure. So, well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess for us here, I think just cause it's probably one of the most unique things we've covered on the show. We got to talk about the leprechaun thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, take us through that, um, you know, your story, you know, going to Notre Dame. I know your upbringing is a big part of that you mentioned. So, like, just kind of yeah. take us through the story of how you got there and, and how it, how the process is to become for the sure. leprechaun. Well, I busted out my Notre Dame Hawaiian shirt for this occasion. Yeah, I love it. Wow. I made sure um, to wear my Michigan Wolverines hat. Oh, too, my so. gosh. Well, I have a story. <laughs> we could start with that. Well, I'll start with the background, and we'll get right to Michigan then after that. The skunk bears, as we call them. <laughs> um, so, basically, grew up um, in western New York. My whole family's from the old First Ward in South Buffalo. So, uh, Irish being Irish is a big part of our identity, Irish-American. Um, and, like, literally my grand my two of my grandmas went to South Park and my grandpas went to Tymon. So it's like very South Buffalo. Um, so anyway, I had growing up, I had never really thought about Notre Dame as a place I like would go to school or anything did well in school. Um, and Notre Dame was always in the background as like, that was the football team, the college football team we watched. It was like our college football team. Um, obviously from Buffalo, like, uh, I love UB, what they're doing with their program, but especially back then, uh, it wasn't really, no one was watching their game, especially on TV. Cuse, um, whatever, Cuse. (laughs) Cuse basketball is fun, but no one was really tuning in to uh, watch football either. So, yeah, so Notre Dame football uh, on NBC every week. So that was kind of always a thing. And then I remember um, when I was applying to colleges, uh, just – turning on the TV and seeing like an amazing trailer, like cutting to one of their football games was like showing campus in the fall. And it was like, just looked so amazing and all this tradition, which growing up in Buffalo in a sports community, I really wanted to go to a college that had like the rich, amazing school spirit, the whole like real university sports feel. So I saw that on TV and I remember being like, I'm going to apply to Notre Dame. And my mom at the time was like, where even is that? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was like, um, if I get in, can we go visit it? And so she was like, all right, fine. So I ended up getting in and we went and it's, we drove out. It's actually not super far from here. It's what, seven and a half hour drive, but it's yeah. like in Cornfield, Indiana. Um, and then there's just this university in the little city, little Rust Belt city. And so fell in love with it when I visited the whole thing. And um, when I was a freshman, I saw this dude running around on the field in this green suit, uh, just the mascot, just having a blast, having the time of his life. And I was like, oh, my God, that looks like the best job ever. He's on the field, interacting with the fans and players, just had, like, full reign. And what was cool is, like, the leprechaun mascot, we don't have the big foam head. So, like, you have a lot more um, personality. It literally was just me with, like, the chin strap beard. Um, and the hat and the like green tuxedo basically that they custom make for you. So anyway, I asked the guy, how did you get that job? And he said, there's tryouts every spring. It's open to any student. And so he, he said, you should come try out. You look like you could play the part. I mean, I'm five, six. I had a beard at the time. 
and he so it's like yeah like short <laughs> beards go try this so <laughs> i showed up to tryouts in the spring and it was so funny because it was like calling all short dudes with beards showing up like i was green looking the part and so yeah did the whole tryouts um i made it to the finals of tryouts and it's like pretty crazy trial process so it's along with the cheerleading uh tryouts and they ha- try to teach us some like you don't have to have experience with gymnastics or tumbling or anything which i didn't but they teach you some stuff like that which is pretty crazy and then a lot of it though is public speaking getting on the microphone um in front of a crowd and stuff so the final tryout was in the basketball arena it was open to the public and you could bring friends so it was sold out our arena i think what holds maybe like twelve thousand. i don't know but it was like packed to the gills for leprechaun trouts which is so funny That's so you, it's pretty nerve-wracking too so you go in and they're just like everyone you get five minutes with the microphone on the basketball court and the crowd is yours go do what you want to do and then like whoever impresses the most uh wins the job so it was amazing so i i didn't make it my freshman year because i usually give it to a senior which they did that year too and then uh they said come back next year I ended up making it as the backup guy. So when I did it, there were actually two every year. So the gold leprechaun and the blue leprechaun. Um, And so my junior year, I was the blue leprechaun. And that ended up being a blast because not only are you the backup, but you do all these other sports, the other sports, which are still so amazing at Notre Dame. But it's not like the big, it's the gold does football and basketball. And that's it because those are like full time commitments. Yeah. But but blue year, and you guys would appreciate this. I actually was the first leprechaun, uh, I don't know if ever, but definitely in a while to do hockey because coming from Buffalo, I requested it. And I was like, nice. well, if you don't ever have a mascot at hockey games, why not? And so they're like, well, you can do it if you want to, but it's just going to be extra work for you. And I was like, yes, I'll do it. So I did all the hockey awesome. home games. <laughs> and it was so fun. Um, our hockey, we had like our own hockey band and they had like all these funny, like quirky, their own, like taunting the other goalie and all this cool stuff that was specific student section only for hockey. And it was a blast being part of that. Um, getting out on the ice uh, with the flag and stuff like that. It was super <laughs> cool. And um, I don't know. Well, um, you're a Michigan fan. So Michigan hockey, <laughs> obviously another uh, very uh, big, big one yeah. program. But um, but yeah, that when I did when I was the mascot for hockey, that was right when Jeff Jackson became our coach, and so um, he was coming off of back-to-back national championships with Lake Superior State, and so Notre Dame poached him from them, and part of his contract was build me a an arena, like a state-of-the-art arena, and so when I was the mascot for them, we were playing like in the field house on like temporary boards. It was so funny because That's we were actually crazy. good but we had the worst facilities ever because they were building our arena at the time. Wow. So now if you ever get a chance to go check out their current arena, it's insane. The, so um, I've, I've actually Hawks. been there. Okay. Yeah. The, the Chicago Blackhawks hold their, uh, their training camp there every year. It's got like three ices. There's a Irish pub overlooking the ice. It's like, it's insane. <laughs> so I actually sick. got wow. to go the first the first year that they opened up. I can't remember what team they played, but um, wow. one of my best friends actually moved to Indiana um, when we were in sixth grade. So I would go and visit them every summer. And I've been to the Notre Dame campus. I've worn my Michigan gear there too, and I've gotten <laughs> it thrown on the ground too, which was pretty funny. Like I literally was like a twelve year old kid, and someone took my hat off my head and threw it on the ground. Wow. 
but you we're know, usually you, a little nicer than that. Notre Dame fans are pretty docile compared. Yeah, to it, it was. It wasn't like a like a like a fuck you. It was like a like he kind of just like flipped it off. Yeah, like, like yeah. You, know, you know, you know, probably one of the adults he was with. Told hey, me I've done it. Gave him a I've, fuck I've, to go do it. I've worn okay. Michigan gear in Columbus before too, so you know, yeah. I, I'm I'm not I'm not a, I opposed to it, but That's yeah, I got to go the first the fr- the first year that it was open. It was an incredible barn. I mean, it literally has the feel of like the college barn, but it's like state yeah. of the art. Um, one of our friends of the podcast, actually, um, Scott Pooley, his father is the uh, assistant coach for the Notre Dame team. So that's uh-huh. how I ended up getting um, into the into the uh, arena and stuff back then. Cool. That's super cool. Yeah, it's, it was so fun watching the rise of them actually putting resources into the program and just getting to go to all those games throughout. So, yeah, super cool. But so then – and, what yeah. real quick though, Daniel? So the yeah. the tryout thing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Did you rip like a stand up comedy routine? Like, what was your five minutes consisting of? <laughs> yeah. Like, was obviously yours was pretty good, but were there some train wrecks out there too? So what's funny is we weren't allowed to watch the other people going, oh. but you could you could like hear it muffled. I wish they like that could have been a reality show or something because it's five people. And you draw numbers to see who goes first, uh, who, what order you go in. And I got last, which that was like, that was torture because I had to hear everyone go before me. And you can't hear exactly what they're saying because you have to wait outside. But you can hear like that someone's on a microphone and then you can hear the crowd like, yeah. react. And the crowd's all there. They instruct the crowd beforehand, like no heckling. Don't like give these guys a hard time. But like also be fair with everybody so different people had better and worse reactions and everything um and the funniest thing when going out there as a mascot and giving a speech you can literally say anything uh it's just how you say it and like they're ready to be so rabid and just blow up so (laughs) i don't i don't even remember exactly what i said but i think the scenario was like uh, for our home opener of football. So it was pretending that it was like a pep rally for that. So we could mm. like talk shit about the home opener team. My routine usually was like, I would come out, like have a few almost, yeah. Like you kind of nailed it. Like I would have a few jokes about the other team that were pretty PG jokes, um, just to get people riled up about it. And then I would hype up our players or like what was going on with the team and then like start a couple like chants or something like that, like pretty basic stuff, but just getting people out, everyone fired up. I will say I did get in trouble a few times because they wanted me to like write out everything and script it out. And I refused to do that. <laughs> I would give them like a basic, I'd be like, I'm going to talk about like this. And I would give like a person's name or like a one sentence but then I would like get up on stage and I would just like wing it and just go off and stuff. And I never like, I obviously knew that I was representing the university and they're very um, particular about their branding. <laughs> so yeah. I knew yeah. I didn't want to get fired or anything, but yeah, I pushed the envelope a bit and would kind of uh, get on some of the away players and stuff like that. So um, yeah, so kind of actually a funny thing too. So I had, at the time, I had just the, I don't know if you can see, the leprechaun guy right here on my arm. I didn't have my sleeve. I just had the logo, and I mm-hmm. got that when I got the gig, and I actually got it here in Niagara Falls at, like, some sketch place and uh, <laughs> got the logo, and they did an awesome job. And um, 
I had just that on my arm and the first game, like first touchdown we scored, I rolled, I like took the jacket off, rolled up my sleeves and like flexed in the camera with the logo. And it was like super dope. And uh, immediately someone from the athletic department came over and they were like, absolutely not. You cannot be flashing a tattoo on live TV for Notre Dame. That's not, they're like, that's not our image of our university. And I was like, yeah, but it, it literally is our image. It's just the logo. Like, it's no, it's our logo. What do you mean? And they're like, no, you can't show that. You can't. So there's still oh, yeah, a bit yeah. of a conservative Catholic thing going on. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely, I'm going to guess that the uh, the religious side of things might have a, a little bit to play on that. But yeah, he gave a bunch of old alumni heart attacks when he did that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I oh, did, uh, for the USC game, I, um, I shaved a mohawk for, because all the players had mohawks for our, it was our, um, last home game of the season and it was against USC which is like a historical rivalry Notre Dame USC uh, it was a few years after the Bush push game which was just insane um, during the era where USC they beat us like 10 years in a row they were whooping our ass this year was finally a year where it seemed like we had a chance to beat them and uh, so our whole team all did all had mohawks for the game and I did it too but I didn't tell anyone I had it under the hat in the pep rally and I like worked it into my speech and I took my hat off at the right time and had the mohawk and like the crowd loved it and again someone came up to me after <laughs> a rally and they were like you aren't going to be loud in the stadium tomorrow if you still have that so figure it out so I if you see any photos of me from that game or anything I have a completely shaved head I'm like Aww. a bald leprechaun my beard just like ends here and then I'm just like bald <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> oh like that plan just really backfired on that, you know, in that terms. Yeah. That's pretty funny, though. <laughs> I mean, my I can... last game ever, and I'm just bald out there, and people are like, why did you shave your head for that game? It's so weird. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's not. That wasn't my plan. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's pretty cool that, like, you know, they allow you guys to, like, put some personality into it rather yeah. than just, like, you know, the foam head running around being, you know, and it's cool that, like, that there's two, you know, mascots, too, that, like, so that, there are, you know, depending on what, what event you're at, you know, it could be, you know, a completely different vibe. But yeah, exactly. It, it definitely. Um, now I'm like curious if there's like a one specific like big game that you really remember, like like either home or away. Obviously, like I know you had mentioned that there was a Michigan game or something. I don't yeah. know if you have one specific like really big game that you remember. Basically, that was like a really big deal um, for, sure. for you and also for the university, I guess. Yeah, that year was crazy. All I think 10 of our 12 games came down to literally the last drive. So it was the most exciting season. We ended up going six and six, which sucked. Um, but they were all like close at least. They were like each individual game was fun as hell, especially to be on the field for and to be part of it. Um, that was the year. So our quarterback was Jimmy Clausen, who – Got kind of a bad rap, but he was talented. He, he could sling. It was crazy. He was throwing to Golden Tate, who won the Blitnikoff for best receiver in the country that year. Golden Tate, on the other side, was Michael Floyd, and our tight end was Kyle Rudolph. So okay. it was like it was insane. Um, our defense couldn't stop a JV team, though. So every game was like 45. I'm, if any of my friends who were on that defense hear that, they're going to be pissed at me. But <laughs> um, they'll agree secretly. Uh, every game was like 45 to 38 final, like shit like that. So it was crazy. But, okay, so the first game, just the hype of the home opener on campus is insane. The first time doing it, 
uh, people don't realize like my job started at 8 a.m. going to different tailgates and meeting people and everything. Then I lead a parade across campus at two or yeah, and into the stadium. And then I have the whole game. So it was 98 degrees that day. And I completely like sweat through my suit by noon. And then I still had to do like the whole day and everything. So I was like pitted out and like ended up just taking the coat off before the game anyway, and just had like the vest and the tie. Um, but that game was against Nevada and Colin Kaepernick was their quarterback. And oh, so wow. everyone, the whole off season, everyone was like, Oh, Notre Dame's on upset alert because they have this stud quarterback. And so it was like, Oh, really? Are we, should we be scared? We ended up, we destroyed them and it was just so fun. We had, uh, Buffalo fans are wild and they bought a block of 80 tickets to come see my first game. So up in the, up in the nosebleeds, of course, there's like this block and I could see like they all got matching shirts and there were literally 80 people from Buffalo that drove out just to like see me run out of the tunnel and like childhood friends who were Notre Dame fans and stuff. And they're like, I was crying. So like super funny, like only Buffalo would they like rally that. So that was super cool. Um, so that game running out of the tunnel with the flag the, for the first time, it just feels like the whole stadium erupts right when they see you. And I, it's the flag is huge and is running with it for a hundred yards. I remember thinking like, just don't trip and get trampled by this entire football team of like guys that are twice my size and twice as fast. Like, how am I even supposed to do this? But uh, just the adrenaline kicked in. I was like already in the other end zone before I realized it. that was so fun. So that was week one, week two was at the big house. So my first away game ever, just thrown right to the fire at the big house. And seeing that, honestly, that because they have their color cohesion. So Notre Dame, our home games, I still am such a proponent. Like everyone should just wear bright green every game and we would look so much better. But people wear either green or blue or gold. And it's just like, it's kind of a mess. So I think we should wear green every game. So Michigan is the prime example, just like the maze out every game. You walk into that and it's just a blanket of 110, what is it, 110,000 people? About 100, yeah, 110,000. Yeah, it's insane. And um, it's such a traditional stadium too. It's just, it's just people. And yeah. uh, when I stepped out onto that field, it was the exact opposite reaction to the week before because as soon as I step on the field, it's like 100,000 just booing me, feeling <laughs> that hatred. I honestly felt, I tell people I felt like Darth Vader or something, like some super villain. So I stepped out there and just felt the hate, but it awesome. fueled me. It felt so friggin' good. That 100-yard dash time went went down a little bit. You were probably <laughs> booking yeah. it. Yeah. No, I actually didn't run it that time because I uh, think we don't run the whole thing. But I just like came out and I remember like doing, I don't know why I didn't have a flag. I just remember like doing like a beauty queen wave and just soaking in the like hate. <laughs> everyone was just like, oh, like looking at me because I was the first one out there and it was so funny. And uh, that place was loud as hell. That game came down to the last play of the game. And here's a Michigan throwback for you, the quarterback that beat us. And then he was in the Heisman talks after that game, but that was very, very short lived because he had the game of his life that game against us. And it was Tate Forcier. Okay. (laughs) Tate Forcier. Okay. I was like, I was trying to remember which I was, trying to think i was like it was a denard maybe but that's where i was going yeah, it was right I was before thinking. so denard would have been the following year and okay. i think yeah that's why uh, i was thinking so like right around that time yeah but yeah he denard 
beat us one time and we beat him one time. That was like a good rivalry back and forth. But yeah, Forcier came out of nowhere and he had like three throwing and two rushing touchdowns that game. And everyone was like, who is this kid? He's a Heisman front runner now. <laughs> and like two weeks later, no one was talking about him. Was like, yeah, that ah. sounds about right for Michigan yeah. quarterbacks. That's, <laughs> the first one to admit it so yeah right i know the uh the, the types of name drops we could have heard talking notre dame with Derek on here in michigan i can honestly tell you if you told me tate forcier was going to get brought up i would <laughs> not about that i would yeah, not yeah, about that no i know ran, that i wasn't even game winning that. touchdown right into my face i was in that corner of the end zone and he like cut it up the middle of the field i can still it's burned into my freaking memory right up the field like cut cut from the middle right towards me and literally like ball flipped as he went into the end zone, the walk-off winner right in front of me. And just like, that's so deflating, especially as the mascot. And I can't like fight him or I can't like be <laughs> outraged. Like I have to stay like a good representative of the university. So like it's, it, that was have to put on a sad face and call yeah, how'd that. How'd that work at the away games? Were they, were they chirping you the whole game? Like oh, yeah. as an individual and like, do you, how much restraint do you have to show there, right? Did you ever have a moment where you kind of snapped and chirped back at him? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, we got chirped so much all everywhere we went, um, especially me because I'm, like, the magnet for all of that. And that's fair game. <laughs> like, I'm dressed ridiculously as, a like, a grown man leprechaun, and I'm, like – I'm like being boisterous. And so like I would taunt back, but I had to keep it like pretty PG, like PG 13 on most. But like I could do stuff where like if, if a particular group of fans or fan have been chirping me and then we did something like we score touch on right after that, I would like go find that same guy and like clap in his face. Like do that. <laughs> like I didn't even have to say anything, but that would infuriate some of those guys so much more than me yeah. saying anything. Just be like, what up, what up, yeah, all right. And then just, like, walk away. And, like, he can't follow me. I'm on the field. So stuff like that was so fun. <laughs> no. um, that was fun. I got into it, like, with some of the players sometimes, which that was crazy and a little scary. So that USC game, I was going nuts. And they had this tight end. I don't remember his name, but he was a giant dude. And uh, we were getting back and forth, like, actually verbally. Sometimes with the players, like, I would clap in their face or, like, they would do something, like, see me and – it was mostly like physical, like, like gesturing, but this guy was like actually like talking smack to me, which was so funny. It's like, get your head in the game, bro. I'm the mascot. What are you doing? And uh, so I was like, let's keep pick it on going. the five, if six can, guy, dude. Like. Yeah. Like if I can keep in this guy's head, like clearly he kept coming back and saying stuff to me. So I'm like, I might as well keep doing this and hopefully throw him off his game a little bit. He's like a stud. So, um, at one point, yeah, he was, like, looking over, and, like, I, I was, like, is this guy going to, like, come over and try to do something? So I, like, backed off a bit. But there's these photos of uh, Golden Tate caught this bomb, and uh, USC had this safety, Taylor Mays, who I think he went to the league after that. He was amazing, and he was a hard hitter. And uh, he came, and he was going to lay out Golden, but he just mistimed it, and he ended up hitting his own corner, and Golden caught the touchdown, and I'm right there. And then the photos are like, I'm on the field somehow. I don't even remember <laughs> this in real time. I've just seen the photos. But I'm on the field standing over the safety and corner looking down at them. And my mouth is wide open. I'm like screaming. So I don't remember that moment. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. But like, I'm literally on the field standing over two complete stud athletes who just like ran into each other full force. And just, I don't know. Like, luckily, they just hit each other and they didn't, couldn't get up and all that. But. 
yet. So you didn't get flagged, me. right? No, I didn't. I definitely <laughs> it was it was a touchdown, and then I was on the field. Um, yeah, <laughs> you didn't get flagged. Well, now, can you imagine the university's reaction? Like, I mean, obviously, like, the tattoo, the mohawk. Like, if you took, like, a 15-yard personal foul, like, as the mascot. like I'd be done, for sure. Charlie Weiss would fucking eat you. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's that's one thing I want to ask you about, too, right? Because the the years that you were there, that was the Charlie Weiss era. And then was it the year after that Brian Kelly came in? Yeah, so I was there for Weiss's final season. So that's when we went 6-6, and and they fired him. And we didn't go to a bowl. It's the only year, if you look in the history, that we, in the modern era, that we haven't gone to a bowl. So I didn't go, get to go to one, which was such a bummer. Damn. And we got invited to a bunch of bowls because it's Notre Dame. They're going to make these, like, smaller bowls so much money. And so we got invited. And I remember we were, like, the cheerleaders and I, we were, like, lobbying to go to the, like, whatever the one in Florida is. They're, like, I don't know if it was a Gator Bowl or Citrus Bowl or something. We're like, can we please go to Florida for like Christmas break? That'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of they, the 15 bowls in Florida. Yeah, exactly. And they um, they ended up uh, denying all the because we didn't have a coach and they wanted to get on with the poaching Brian Kelly from Cincinnati. So they we didn't go to a bowl that year. Um, but like I said, that season was so exciting, but it ended up six and six. And so we were eligible, but they were like, no, we're not going to go to a bowl. Then Kelly came in. We hired him right away. And uh, was he I, trying? Did he come in trying to embrace like the Indiana lifestyle? Did he come in with like yeah. overalls did he, did he and fake, straw? Yo, did he fake <laughs> a Midwest did he straw hat? Fake the Midwest accent or what? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, he did not. I don't know where that Southern draw came from. Uh, he's just been really becoming Mr. LSU with this, these blunders and all that stuff. And uh, that dancing video, I have no idea who signed off on that. As a videographer yourself, Derek, you, yeah. uh, like even the person who shot it, I know they're working for the university, but like, I would have just like deleted and been like, sorry, I don't know what happened. Like that was <laughs> most cringe. There's a lot of, a lot of questionable content that makes it out onto the internet yeah. from very big, like sports publications. And I'm like, why is it? Why did this even leave the hard drive kind of exactly. thing? Exactly. You know? Like, how many people were like, yeah, this is okay to put out. <laughs> this is but how I'm going to get the love so of the LSU in. fan base right here. Yeah. Do a TikTok. So he, That's it. He, uh, no, he was able to play up his whole Boston Boston shtick because of the Boston Irish thing. So he came <laughs> in and he literally had his Boston accent and he was like, he was like, I grew up in Boston. I watched one game on or one team on TV, Notre Dame fighting Irish. I'm Boston Irish. Like, this is where I'm meant to be, that whole thing. So to see him now, like, do it at the new school and be like, yeah, like, I'm a down-home family man. It's like, oh, my God, bro. So you're like, nothing's really changed. This guy's just scamming everyone everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> straight up. I mean, I guess you have to, right, because college football. Like, he gets results, man. If you're a coach, yeah. right, your job is sales. This isn't the NFL where you're drafting guys. you got to sell somebody on coming to your university. Yeah. But, damn, like, that's straight it's up. funny watching the – evolution of brian kelly as a bostonian midwestern southern man <laughs> exactly <laughs> but what what is next yeah if, if you went to california he would have like showed up in board shorts and been like yeah i surf i've surfed my whole life no, <laughs> one, thing, <laughs> one thing i, I wanted to ask Boston. you um one thing i want to ask you kind of going back to tryouts though yeah. is i kind of picture it like is this like 
Air Force pilot type things where they're like, you've got to be between this height and this weight. <laughs> like, because I know you said like the shorter guys with the beards, but like if someone shows up and they're six two, are they just like, nah, you're not it? So they, so that's another great question. The university has to be super careful about that too. Um, and so there aren't any strict requirements on that. And they, they really like had to be careful with that and be like, you have the look or like you fit the persona. Um, and, but it can't just be all like short white dudes with beards. Obviously it has to be inclusive. <laughs> so recently there's never been a girl who's been the main leprechaun, but a few years ago there was, uh, there, I think there've been two girls now who have been the blue leprechaun. So it's, we're in 2022 now, so it's only a matter of time since until there's a, a girl leprechaun, which is cool. Obviously, they didn't do the beard or anything. Um, and it was cool how they did, like, it's pretty much the same outfit, but they, like, a little bit made it, like, customized it. Like, they didn't really feminize it, which was cool. Like, that probably would have pissed a lot of people off if it's, like, here's the guy leprechaun and the girl one who's wearing, like, a, a Irish dress, last. Yeah, like, yeah, not, yeah. So, like, they kept it pretty authentic. And, like, they were awesome. The girls killed it. They had so much energy. And the, she was like a, doing crazy gymnast shit. I was just like, going to say, that would yeah. give it a cool flair to it. Yeah, exactly. So, Instead of running out there like you were with the flag, she's doing backflips with it where you're yeah. just thinking about not tripping. She's exactly. doing all she's kinds doing of tumbles. Like back handsprings and shit. And people are like, wait, it's a girl. And be like, yo, she's way cooler than shit I ever did. <laughs> the other thing, too. I honestly think I was one of the best ones just because when I would get on the mic, I like had a good camaraderie with the players too. Like I was friends with those guys. That was a fun thing about Notre Dame is uh, they like, they're part of the student body. So like I went to class with those dudes, like eating at the dining hall and stuff. So that was super fun. Um, but I'd say uh, the girls had a ton of energy. And the other thing that was wild uh, of recent years is, one of my good friends, Mike Brown, he was the first ever black leprechaun in like the late 90s. And he wow. took a bunch of like racist attacks for that. And it was so outrageous. And it was like so hard time for him. But he was the perfect guy to like pioneer that because he's the most upbeat, like nothing can get him down. And he, he didn't even it. sweat that kind of thing. What's that? Like he didn't even sweat it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like he embraced awesome. that and he was like, I'm just going to be the best one ever. And like no one can talk shit. And so he did that. And then I think like th two or three years ago, um, this dude, Sam, was the second ever uh, black leprechaun. And he was so amazing. This dude was like doing like James Brown moves and like into a full split on the field. And I was like, <laughs> how do you awesome. do this stuff? And like he had the craziest dance moves and everything. He took it to the next level and was like had so much energy. was an awesome guy. And that always uh, – super pissed me off about our fan base at times would be like, Oh, we shouldn't have a black leprechaun. I'm be like, first off, a leprechaun is a fictional character. So <laughs> like, yes, the whole anyone, thing, yeah, anything, but like, be. you can't be like, he doesn't look like a leprechaun enough. It's like, all right, like save it, dude. Like that's, so that was something that I'm glad we are now having more inclusive. The one thing I don't like though, is I think there's like four now every year. And I liked when there were two because it kept it kind of like these are the two faces of it. Where if there's four, it's kind of like, oh, it's like it waters you know, it down by, a little bit. Yeah, it's like by committee where yeah. a lot of the foam head mascots do have four. 
and people don't know that they switch every quarter of the football game, um, which, and they kind of like rotate who gets to go first, second, third, fourth quarter, because for close games, obviously the guy who gets to do it for fourth quarter has such a way more fun time than like the first quarter guy, which like no one scored in the first quarter. Like, okay, now my day is done. You know what I mean? So I never knew that until I um, met uh, Sparty or one of the Spartys in Michigan State. Here. And he was a good guy. They're fans. So I was going to say, you're Michigan. So Michigan State fans, I think, were um, some of the most hostile. And oh, yeah, they that. were pretty rude to us. Uh, surprisingly, Purdue fans, I think it was the Indiana fan thing and the, the like in, inferiority yeah. complex of being from indiana they'd be like we're indiana rivals and we'd be like we don't care like you're that you're from the same state as us purdue like, hasn't been relevant in football since true breeze right yeah exactly no it's funny going to their games <laughs> last year for a little wearing bit breeze jerseys <laughs> like everyone the whole stadium's wearing breeze jerseys it's like all right yeah or what curtis painter okay so <laughs> um <laughs> yo they spit on us Purdue fans were the only fans that actually spit on us. And that was wild. Um, That's on call for Purdue. And also, Purdue Pete, he's a weird mascot because he has not a foam head. It's almost like a terracotta scary head with, like, dead eyes. Like, Google it and look up Purdue Pete. Scary-ass, like, eyes. And he has, like, a hard hat. But it's, like, a normal person body. So he's, like, a football player, like, pads and pants and has, like, normal human arms, but then a big, like – claymation head or something and he has a sledgehammer and it's a real oh, that's freaky. yeah isn't it weird like it's a weird looking like lee corso on college game day <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like he's out there the whole time so that dude he one of them because they switch out too he got real aggressive with me and was like almost trying to fight me i think he actually was trying to fight me and he took the sledgehammer which was real and he like hit the wall right behind me and like came pretty close to my head and i was like are you kidding me right now bro like that's you're out of your mind right now and his own cheerleaders were like pushing him back away from me oh man <laughs> like saying some like vulgar stuff through the mask because no one can see him chirping so like and you, only i could really hear it so he's trying to get a rise out of me and i was like yo I didn't expect this from Purdue Pete of all people, man. That's crazy. Maybe that's a little, uh, little Chaz Michael Michael. Uh, you know when he does the skating mascot, he hit the hooch a little too hard before the gig. <laughs> right. I was gonna ask, yeah, like, I mean, what is like the, I guess, like, what was the mascot community like? I mean, is there like a whole like community? Like, do you guys get to know each other? A little like, fraternity. Yeah. Pretty. Ex- really. I mean, it's an exclusive club to be like obviously the mascot. Like, there's only yeah. like one or four or four people on campus obviously that really get to you know participate in that exactly yeah i mean like at notre dame definitely like the the other people you're serving with as leprechauns like the dude i was blue and he was gold i kind of served under him and then the dude that was blue and i was gold i kind of took him under my wing so it's like you kind of teach them the ropes and you definitely have like a camaraderie there it's like brotherhood it's so fun there's also, like, every time we play Stanford at home, that's the Leprechaun reunion game unofficially. So as many of us try to go to that one, and we have a tailgate. And, like, one year, like, 30 of us showed up, and it was oh, hilarious. Awesome. Yeah, that was, like, the most. Usually it's, like, around 10, which is still pretty cool. But, yeah, the one year we had just, like, this mob tailgate of, like, all former Leprechauns. And, like, it was – we were definitely causing a scene. Like, everyone was coming to try to take photos with it because I don't think – 
there's ever been that many together at once. And we were wearing like various parts of our old outfit too. So like we, a lot of us had the hat on and stuff, but um, there aren't that many of us because it didn't start until 1965 and it was like one per year. And then now, then it was two and now it's four, but there's like not, I don't know how many total there's been, but since 65 to now, like there's not that many of us. Probably less than a, probably less than a hundred people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's super fun. With the other mascots, it was cool because you don't really get to know them because you're so busy, but there was usually a mutual respect. That's why I was so shocked at like this, the Purdue guy. And we always <laughs> were like such good uh, hosts to the away cheerleaders. I remember the, what's funny about Notre Dame is like when we played Nevada for the home opener, their mascot and cheerleaders, they were like total tourists. So they were like asking us for pictures. They were like taking selfies in our stadium. They're like, oh my God. Cause it was like, the first time they've ever been to our campus and why would they otherwise go from Nevada there? So it was yeah. like, a, as being a sports fan, they were like so pumped to do that. And uh, so that was cool. We loved hosting uh, in that way. Um, the other, like our rivalries, we didn't get along so well with, but like we really did, like we were good hosts and everything. Um, it's funny, like Michigan doesn't have the a mascot. They yeah, I never, players. I never understood that. Like, especially yeah. like being a Wolverine, like you could have like a pretty solid mascot for exactly. that, but they just never have. Yeah, and I never, un- yeah, I never, I never understood that honestly. But. Yeah, that was weird to me uh, too. And so, but yeah, we got along with their cheerleaders. Um, I remember, um, I always would try to like go introduce myself to the USC song girls, and they're like pretty little sweaters. Um, and so that was fun. And then UCLA basketball came one time and, uh, I was out like to eat at this pizza place in South Bend and there was like 12, like gorgeous blonde and like super tan girls eating at this pizza place in South Bend, Indiana. And I was like, I walked up, I was like, are you the UCLA cheerleaders? And they were like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, well, uh, it's yeah. I was like, Hey, so because we had a basketball game the next day and I was like, hey, hey, so we're having like a cheerleader like party off campus. You guys, I don't know what the deal is if you want to come out tonight. And then the one girl was like, I'm their coach. And so they're, I'm not going to let them do that. And I was like, oh, I thought you were one of them. Like, all right. Sorry. About like, that. So, got we'll try, <laughs> try that one. But yeah, I guess what we did, we were able to party with the texas cheerleaders and the kentucky cheerleaders during march madness on bourbon street and um i definitely it was it was saint patrick's day so they we got the bid for the norlands regional the day after saint patrick's day so they flew us all out to a hotel like two blocks from bourbon street and we had all of saint patrick's day free and like yeah we signed these things like we're not allowed to drink or party or anything we're all 21 years old I'm the freaking leprechaun and we're on bourbon street. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to like be covert about it. The, the Notre Dame cheerleaders, we always would roll us a pack. They all show up with green feather boas and they're like, let's go to bourbon street. I was like, all right. So, so much for being like under the radar. We go (laughs) out there immediately. All the Notre Dame fans are like, Oh my God, can we get a picture with you? And they're just handing me like Guinness all day. And they're just like, take a picture. I was in probably a hundred pictures, like with a pint of Guinness that day. And I woke up the next morning and was like, I'm definitely fired. There's no way I'm not fired. Look at my phone. Just no texts. I remember just saying like, it's a St. Patrick's day miracle. Like, and <laughs> wow. like went on and did the whole thing. 
I did, I never let that though, like partying or anything, get in the way of uh, do, like going all out for the games. So like I yeah. never was hungover for a game. People would always ask, "Do you drink for the games?" And it's like, there's no way I possibly could. It's all day and it's so strenuous. Yeah, save I'd it for be, after. Yeah, I'd be sweating my ass off, like, and just trying to hydrate if anything and stay yeah. stay going. <laughs> I guess you know then then the transition. You know, I guess. Uh, wanted to ask you about like you know coming you know graduating school you know after yeah. that you know it's worth like kind of winding down on time we got like a little over 10 minutes to kind of transition to you know you know after school what you did after you know the leprechaun and then you know transitioning to moving back home here and you know starting your uh, your clothing brand and everything so. yeah cool for sure so um after i graduated i actually went to notre dame law school right after so i got to do three victory laps and i got to be back in the um, back in the student section, so that was fun. So after Leprechaun, went back to the student section. My last year of law school was the year we went undefeated, and then we got smoked by Alabama. But that was a fun um, year to be in the student section, twelve and zero season. Um, so that was a blast. So during that time during law school, I interned for some sports agencies out in California. So I interned for an NFL sports agency, and. I interned for an uh, like a action sports, outdoor sports, sports industry. So that's what I thought I wanted to do at the time. Fun fact is uh, I got Eric Wood, his first local endorsement in Buffalo um, for Supercuts. And <laughs> he had like the curly fro. Yeah. And uh, he ended up like st- keeping that Supercuts endorsement like his entire career. And I got that as like an intern at for his agent that one summer. And like my job was like get local like small time endorsements for all these rookies. So that was his rookie year, and like I got it. So I was like, oh cool. And That's I, awesome. I would always see him like still doing the supercuts commercials like way later on. And I was like, holy shit, I did that. <laughs> That's so, so cool. Yeah, I also got like the Patriots punter a free mattress, like most random thing ever. So, <laughs> um, so I worked for that agency. It was not like it was wild. That's like a whole lifestyle that I was not prepared for. So. I, um, the action sports one was more chill. And then that's how I started my clothing. My company was seeing that whole world and working with those brands. And I wanted to make a brand that paid more attention to like the ethics behind making the apparel and the products and having it be sustainable or recycled, uh, materials and like ethically made as made in the U S as possible. Cause I saw a lot of these big brands and they're making all their money off the imagery of like, we're connected to nature, it's surfing, it's snowboarding, it's nature, you're outdoors. But the stuff is being made like super unethically overseas or using horrible materials. And it's like, that's, it's like destroying the environment. The, the apparel industry is actually one of the like worst, most polluting industries for the environment. And not a lot of people know that because they try to keep that under wraps. But the more I was working with these brands and realizing that, I was like, I want to make an alternative, something small, even just to show that it can be done. It's very hard to do. But so I started it in Southern California. Um, I lived out there kind of around the Orange County area and then ended up in Long Beach. Um, I love Long Beach. Such a great city. It's like L.A. without being L.A. right on the water. Um, I actually lived in East Side of LBC. So shout out Snoop Dogg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so I'm allowed to call him uncle Snoop now. If you lived in long beach, he's officially your uncle. Um, so 
Yeah, so I started it out there and it was like surf and skate and local art and local music scene. So I worked with a lot of the local bands. That's why I love being part of the stuff that's going on in the local Buffalo music scene, contributing to that. But yeah, it's called Wise Fool and I started it. It kind of took off locally in Southern California. Um, got to a point where I was like, do I want this to be the only thing I do? And it's really starting to scale up. But it started to feel weird. Like I, you can't really scale something up sustainably at that level and stay as sustainable. So I made the choice to like keep it small and local and do other things as well. Then when the pandemic happened, I moved back here and I kind of switched gears on it. And last summer where um, uh, I met you, Derek, I was doing the pop-ups at some of the local music <laughs> stuff. And I had thrifted clothes from, cause I would drive back to Buffalo from California like once a year back and forth. So I've driven across the country 13 times while stopping in all those small towns and stuff but i would thrift as i went so i had like three years worth of thrifted just like panties and cool shit and so i customized those and turned that into a collection last summer and it did so well that i sold pretty much all of it so i'm not doing the pop-ups at all this yeah i was gonna say i haven't seen you basically with any of the stuff i mean i knew that you were selling stuff very well and like you always did really well at the events that we always saw you know i always you out at and um but that makes sense you know like that that was the you know i never knew the business plan behind it and like that yeah. makes sense if it's a collection and then you sell out you got to kind of build your collection back up eventually exactly. you know and so it's not a thing with thrifting it like that took three years for me to thrift that much stuff and then i sold it all in one summer so like it's not something that you can <laughs> keep up on um so I'm, yeah, upcycling is definitely not a not a very uh, time. It's not a very uh, fast time consume. Uh, you know, it's a very time consuming yeah. thing. It's not a very fast thing, or else I think uh, everyone else would probably be doing it. Honestly, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't efficient, and honestly, if you're looking at it from like a business standpoint, it was not worth my time. But like the art of doing it and the connections I made and all that was so awesome and worth it and fun contributing that way making the one-of-a-kind pieces so i would like bleach dye them or tie dye them turn them into crop tops uh like tank tops do stuff like that customize it and it's just cool like selling those one-of-a-kind pieces but last summer was funny because i would sell a piece and then i would like almost get sad that i didn't have it anymore because i would like have grown attached to it yeah i'd be like was it really worth like some people would be like, oh my God, like $40 for this thrifted t-shirt that you got for $2. And I'd be like, yeah, but I did so much cool stuff to it. And like, it almost feels like I, it's not even worth it to sell it for $40. I'd rather like still have it and find a perfect home for it. Yeah, so no, I feel that, that was wild. But the funny thing is, is that those people don't understand that like vintage thrifting is like a big business. Like, you know, there's yeah. t-shirts, $40 is nothing in the vintage, exactly. you know? threat you know the vintage scene pretty much at this oh, point yeah, you know sure. I, there's shirts out there i there's one i can't remember what the place is it's on elmwood there's a yeah. vintage place and i've seen some grateful dead shirts in there with holes in them like legit like from the 1970s and 80s and they're yeah. like 300 dollars. exactly you know, like yeah. two three hundred dollars no probably problem. it's probably the uh i it's think it's the, called save uh, the rags and it's the two Two guys, goodbyes. Yeah. yeah, those are some. Those guys are awesome. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff in there. Yeah, I've been in there. Shout out <laughs> those guys because they they find. I don't know how the hell they find some of their stuff. They're like, here's like this varsity sweater from a random high school from like 1940 something. And it's like, yeah. what? And like, <laughs> yeah, of course. Shit. Yeah, it's like super cool stuff. 
But yeah, so transitioning into what my current project with Y School is, I've rebranded it so many times and that's fun having that brand and that company where I can do whatever I want with it. So I've done like, I did like an active wear line with, with recycled stuff back in California. Then I did this vintage stuff. I'm kind of getting away from doing the products right now as I transition and I'm kind of turning it into like a platform for doing yoga type stuff. So I'm actually, I just finished my yoga teacher training, nice. which is awesome. kind of like a, a veer in a different direction. But it, when in this conversation, I was actually thinking about it. It kind of makes sense because it's, I'm like up there. Um, teaching yoga is almost like a performance because I'm up there. It's like public speaking. I have my audience and I'm like out there sharing that, sharing my personality through it. So it's been very, really fun. Um, so I've just started doing it. I do like free classes uh, in, I live in Elmwood Village. So I uh, right in Bidwell Parkway. I've just been doing like, a few free ones right out in the park and it's been super fun. And so I want to turn Y school kind of into that and start maybe doing yoga in tandem with events or doing an event. Uh, I've met some, so the Buffalo yoga community is super cool and it kind of goes hand in hand with the local music scene. And there's a lot of crossover. So I don't really know exactly where it's going to go from here, but that's the direction I'm going right now. I'm just getting a little Zen on in my, in going into my 30s now, I think the 20s was very leprechaun fighting Irish and <laughs> gaining all that experience. And then now, like, finding a more my uh, my friends, I joke, I always say, like, I'm more like about calm fun now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I feel like that. to have I feel fun, it. but like, yeah. Yeah. you got to let it rip for, uh, you know, good chunk of years there i mean you know like two mainly or so right but yeah you know just being being the head of it that's it's a lot more it's like uh it's like really quick like a flash across like you're just going 100 miles an hour for a few months there a few years there right so you you burn out a little quicker yeah you guys have probably talked uh to a lot of athletes who i've always wanted to ask about that and i probably have a similar experience to that like when like a, especially a professional athletic career, like a lot of them are pretty short. And like you said, like a flash in the pan, like they're going a hundred miles an hour. And then when it ends, it's like, what do I do now? And you can never replicate that rush. And obviously mine, I was not like an athlete competing. That's a whole nother level, but I was part of that atmosphere. And it was one year that I was like fully in it. And then it stopped not because I like, natural progression of like had an injury or retired because it w- I had done it for long. It's like, no, you get one year and then you graduate. So it's like the college athletes, I guess that never go beyond that. Um, yeah. It's crazy when it stops. Cause then it's like, what is my outlet now? So I guess I turned to like doing the, the apparel and now I'm doing yoga. So I'm finding a progression, but actually I forgot in the middle there, I actually did. Uh, I was on the Notre Dame boxing team in law school. And then <laughs> hey. I, thought I was good enough to do uh, New York State Golden Gloves. So I, <laughs> I fought at the Trelf in Buffalo. I forget what year that was, but I like did the 
preliminary qualifying round for New York State Golden Gloves was held in Buffalo at the Trelph, and I got completely obliterated. The dude beat the shit out of me. I can't, <laughs> I can't even picture a boxing ring inside of the Trelph. It was like, it was a dope venue for it because it was so intimate. Yeah, and it was no, just that's like, what I'm, I'm like trying to even think of. Like, how would you like how would you even set that up inside yeah, of there? I don't know. They wedged a boxing ring right in there, and they sold seats, <laughs> and they had like the op- they had the bar going. Yeah. And all my family and everyone went there. They all like made t-shirts for me and they were going crazy. They were drinking and getting nuts. And then I go out there and I got TKO'd and it was pretty embarrassing. So you really, you really lived out the fighting Irish. Uh, I had persona, to, right? You know, I was like, really... I've been pretending to be this like fighting leprechaun for the past two years. So I'm going to go try to do it. I just and I was like, oh yeah, it. this is some, this is some real stuff. Those guys actually train and know what they're doing. Uh, that's, so, that's amazing, Daniel. Well, look, man, uh, this has been a blast. The time flew by. Uh, we'll get you back on at, at some point down the line to catch up on Wise Fool and, you know, some more mascot stories, I'm sure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, real quick, just plug all the social media handles for yourself and, and, and the business, too. Yeah, for sure. Mine is uh, at Daniel Colt Collins, so my full name. And uh, that's where I have kind of my photography stuff that I do right now. And I'll probably have my yoga stuff on there, too. I haven't started putting the yoga stuff on Wise Fool yet, but that's coming soon. So that one's real easy. It's just at Wise Fool. I'm most active on Instagram. Um, I don't really use Facebook, but I think it like auto posts or whatever. Um, The website is wisefool.com. So you can see uh the what's left of that collection right now so you can kind of see a whole vibe of what i've been doing and uh yeah that's where i'll be going going forward and yeah if ever if you guys ever want to get a good stretch and some good zen in uh come out to bidwell um for some free yoga i can't beat some free yoga plus i need more guys to come out or these girls are going to think that i'm like only inviting girls but i'm where <laughs> i'm not I reach out out to my cousins and I'm like, dude, please come. And then I'll uh, I'll I'll see if I can can convince the, I'm sure my girlfriend will be in for that. So I'll I'll, I'll come out one It's a great date night. It's free. It's like an hour and it's chill. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get, uh, we'll get a little, uh, we'll get a little pairs going here, boys. We'll bring the ladies, watch them embarrass us at yoga. That'll be interesting. Daniel, appreciate it so much, man. Thank you, Daniel. Keep crushing it. We'll be in touch, my friend. And everybody, as always, thanks for joining us here on Just Dishing It. This has been episode 70. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. Later. Peace.